Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, man, that's good stuff, wasn't it? Man, it is Thanksgiving week, and I hope you guys will have a great time with your family, that you're able to be around your family. Um, the, we will not have any kind of Wednesday night activities, Bible studies, uh, but if you need something, call or come by the office. We're always here unless we're gone, and we'd love to help you any way we can. Um, and uh, we're excited about spending time with our families as well. Um, here's the, you know, I'm, I'm doing a series, just kind of a short one on, on being uneasy about things in Scripture that make us uneasy. And today I'm, I'm going to make everybody uneasy a little bit, all right? And here's the question that I have for you. Can your faith save you? And I, maybe I should say, can your faith save you? And, you know, the Scripture talks about it is by grace through faith that we're saved. But there's also some scriptures that really make us uneasy. There are times when people, Jesus said a couple of places, said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, and I'll say, hey, I never knew you. And that makes me a little uneasy. I'm like, I don't want to be one of those folks. I'm sure you don't either. And there are places where it talks about, um, you know, hey, if you, don't, if you don't forgive people, your heavenly Father's not going to forgive you. That makes me a little uneasy. And I want us today, I want us to see what kind of faith can save you. You know, it, it, the truth is you can't do enough. It's, not, it's never your works that save you. It's, it's faith. Jesus is the one who saves, and it's our faith placed in him through grace, through God's grace. It's a gift to us that saves us. But what does that mean, and what does that look like? And so I want us to see in the Scripture what a faith that can't save you looks like, and what a faith that can save you, that will save you. So we're going to start in James chapter 2, verse 14, and I'm going to ask you to please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. James 2, 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Thank you. You may be seated. So what is that kind of faith? Well, James uses an example um, in the verses right after that. He says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye, <clears throat> have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. So what he's trying to say there is, it's not that, hey, okay, if you give somebody food to eat, then that means you're saved. What he's saying is, if you're sitting there and you got a table full of food, and somebody comes by that's hungry and doesn't have any, and you say, hey, man, I really, I, I hope, you know, I want you to really have food. I hope that you find some food. And you have the means. You don't really mean that, do you? If you're telling them, hey, I hope you find something to eat. Hope you get something to eat. I hope everything's good with you. And they don't have it and you do and it's right there in front of you. Then do you really mean that? That's the question. And so there's people that say, you know, all kinds of folks. Yeah, yeah, I believe in God. But is that enough? 
in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He said this a couple of times, that phrase, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. So what that tells us is there are people that think they're good with God and they're not. So he says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. So he's not saying you have to do these things to enter, but that those who do these things will enter. How's that different? I'm going to talk about that. But the first thing that I want us to see is just mentally assenting to the fact that Jesus is God. Just believing that there is a God is not enough. That's not a faith that saves. Just being able to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I believe that. You know, there are, there are a lot of people who would tell you, yeah, yeah I, I believe there's a God. I believe Jesus. I, I believe all that. But is that enough? Is that a faith that can save them? Or is it that kind of faith that can't? You know, in, in James, moving on down in the chapter, the verses right after that, he says, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. And then he says something that's meant to shock a little bit. He says, even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So now you have, he's gone and he's talking about demons. Even demons believe there's a God. As a matter of fact, they would, they would say and call Jesus, you're the son of God. And there were times where Jesus made them be silent so that they wouldn't say who he was because they knew that he's God. And so that's not enough, is it, just to say it? Just to believe, yeah, yeah, I believe you're God. That's not enough. And as a matter of fact, sometimes we kind of equate, well, you know what? When I was th this age or whatever, you know, I had this, I went to church and man, we all, you know, we got real emotional and we prayed and we did all that. And, and I can remember being drawn by that at times or moved by that when I was younger. And then I even remember my first few years in the ministry. I remember there was, there were two guys that, and I had the opportunity to lead them to, to lead them in the prayer to receive Christ pretty close to each other. And one of them, man, he was crying and emotional and talking about, you know, different things and how he needed to change his life and all these things. And he prayed that prayer. And, I, and when it was over and he left, I thought, man, that dude, that was, that was for reals. I thought that was, that was the real deal. And then there was another guy that came in within just a few days and I talked about him and he had some questions and, and then he wanted to pray to receive Christ and he did. And, and it was all, I mean, there was no emotion, no you know, he didn't, you know, get teared up or anything. And at the end of it, he said, hey, thank you, man. I got to go. And said, hey, no problem. And I thought, dude, that, that just didn't seem real at all. But I had the privilege or the, the ability to see, because I was there for several years, the guy who was all emotional walked out of that door and went straight back to doing the things he had done before never went to church anywhere, never showed any, any kind of inclination to spiritual things again. And the guy that came in that was unemotional, he got involved in church. He got involved in Bible study. 
He started growing as a believer, and he became a leader in the church. So here's what I'm saying. It's not that emotions are bad. You know, there are things that move me. You know, when I hit my mid-40s, all kind of things moved me that never moved me before. You know, when we're watching commercials, there's a little sad puppy, you know, my kids are like, are you crying? I'm not crying, it's allergies. Y'all shut up, leave me alone. So I, I get it, man. I, and hey, emotions happen, and, and I'm all right with that. I mean, I think I went two-thirds of my life without shedding a tear, and now I'm making up for it in this third. I mean, I'm crying over stuff I'm, I can't believe I'm crying over. Anyway, that's just life, I guess, it happens. And, but there are things about, even now, you know, I've been saved for a long time, there's, there's moments where it just, you know, it moves me what God did for me, that, that Jesus came. And so emotions are, that's part, that can be part of faith, and that's fine, but don't get fooled by them. You know, the Scripture even says, you know, the heart is deceitful above all else. And, and the heart is the seat of emotions. And so emotions can fool us. And just because you've had an emotional experience doesn't mean that you have a faith that saves, okay? And so I'm not saying, I want you to understand something. I'm not saying these things to try to get you to doubt your faith as a, if you're a believer. I'm not. But I want you to know, I really believe one of the things that God, in God's word is he wants us to know who we belong to and who we are in him. And I, I want you to know, the Bible tells us over and over again, Hey, work, thing, work it out. It questions our faith. It says, hey, what about this? You know, one of the things that I'm really grateful about is, and nowhere in the Scripture does it say, oh, well, see what that guy did? There's no way they could be saved. Nowhere in the Scripture does that questioning revolve around a sin that we might commit. Because the truth is that we all have moments where we don't follow God, maybe extended moments. We all do things we know we shouldn't. And we all do things that there's times that you go, man, why in the world did you do that? You knew better. Why would you do that? And here's the good news. The blood of Jesus covers our sins and cleanses us of all iniquity. All iniquity. And so there's no sin that you can commit that is more powerful than the blood of Jesus that was shed for the forgiveness of your sins. There's not one. I don't care what you could possibly do. You can't out-sin God's grace. Now, that's not an excuse. Well, then go do whatever you want. You know that. But what I want you to understand is you don't, you don't have to go, man, I, gosh, five years ago I did this. Could I really be saved? Because that's not dependent. Your, your salvation is not dependent on you not sinning. It's dependent upon what Jesus did for you on the cross. And whether or not you have that real faith. And so I, I'm not trying to, and I know that there are always, we all have moments of doubt. And you know what? That's okay. What I really want us to do, though, is to be able to examine and be able to look and be able to say, hey, what, what kind of faith do I have? Is it the kind that saves? Or is it based on an emotional experience? Now, there's other things, too. Um, 
It says in Matthew 7, 22 through 23, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Now, I want you to understand something. It wasn't because they broke God's laws that Jesus is saying, get away from me. It was because they didn't know him. Because if you know Jesus, if you have a relationship with him, then his sins cover the laws that you've broken. But if you don't, you're going to answer for those. And what I want you to see from this, that passage is, these people were coming and saying, hey, Jesus, we did religious stuff. We did, we did good works through the church. We went to church. We did what, what the rules said we were supposed to do. And then maybe even a little bit more. And Jesus is saying that that's not enough. You can't do enough stuff. You know, sometimes there are people that, that I'll ask, you know, well, tell, me about, you know you, tell me about your experience with the Lord. How did you come to know him? Well, you know, I, I've, I've kind of always known him. I get that. That's part of our journey. You know, sometimes, you know, we know that God's there and we know Jesus. And we might even love him when we're young. And then we're like, well, a lot of times we try to fill it with stuff we've done. I've been a good person. Or, you know, I, I go to church on a regular basis. You know, I've tried to be faithful. I, I give to these people. I do this. And guess what? That's not the right answer. Now, those are good things. But Jesus is saying, I never knew you. So what is he talking about? Galatians 2.16 Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. So it doesn't come because we have a mental agreement that God is real. It doesn't come because, yeah, yeah, I, I, think, I think Jesus is real person. It's even, you can't even say, hey, you know, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. The demons said that. That's the point of the Scripture. And it's not because we had an emotional experience. Well, man, I broke down. I really wanted my life to change. I wanted things to be different. I didn't like the way it was going. That's not knowing Christ either. And then it's also not, well, I did all these good things. You know, a lot of people believe deep down, as long as they do more good than bad, that they're okay. Or as long as I didn't do those things. Do you know what the number one answer, we used to go, and uh, they, they would give us this poll, and I've, I've done it all over the country, in Illinois, all over Texas, and Colorado, and all these different places, and you just go up door to door knocking. We didn't, we didn't wear white shirts with a little gold pen, but anyway... We did, you know, we'd go door to door knocking. We'd say, hey, I have a survey from this church. We'd be representing a church in the area. Can I ask you a couple of questions? If God, you know, if you were to stand before God and he said, why should I allow you into my heaven? What would you say? And most people would say something along the lines of, well, I'm a good person. But there were a pretty good percentage of them that said, well, I ain't never murdered anybody. 
Okay, pretty low bar, but I understand where you're coming from. And they just, they really thought, well, as long as I don't do anything like that, then I'll go to heaven. Because what they were saying was, I think I'm a pretty good dude or a pretty good lady or whatever it was. I'm, I, I remember taking a group from here and we were in uh, East Texas and we were supposed to go. It was a new, a different way of witnessing to people. And, and you know, one of the questions was, you know, you, you can agree that we're all sinners, right? And this, it was a 70-something-year-old lady. If I'm lying, I'm dying. And she said to me, um, when I said, well, we're all sinners, right? And you've sinned. She said, no, I ain't sinned. I was like, I'll be honest with you, I didn't really know how to answer that. But then she told me, but my husband's out in back and he sinned a lot, so you can go talk to him. True story. That was not a super productive visit, I'm going to be honest. But here's the thing. Just doing these things is not enough. And what we want to understand is, if that's not the right kind of faith, what is the real kind of faith? What is the, the, the faith that saves you saves you, what does it look like? Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. So that, that's the beginning of it, is we, we, we hear the good, the good news that Jesus came to die for our sins. And wrapped up in that is that we're sinners. And that all have fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. So that's the beginning. That's where faith kind of starts is we hear. And, and beyond that, you can hear it a lot. You know, I was saved when I was seven years old. And here's the thing about that. I'd been in, I had a major drug problem when I was little. Every time the church doors were open for anything, my parents drug me through them doors. My mom dropped me off in the nursery when I was less than a week old. And I know there's moms going, oh my gosh, I'm, no way can I do that? Wait till you have your second one. You'll throw them in there when they're three, day, three days old. It don't matter. First one, I get it. Oh no, I, you know, they got to be two years old. I got to have their blah, 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 whatever. I understand that. We're all really cautious on our first ones. But man, I was the first one. And that was the deal. I was there when I was less than a week old. You understand that? And I hardly ever missed a Sunday or a Wednesday from that point on, that's a lot of church. And so my whole life I heard about God's love for us. I heard we were sinners. I heard that, I knew that Jesus came and died on the cross. I knew all those things. I could have told you all those things. But one night when I was seven years old, we were at a, it was a big area crusade. All the churches in the area got together and they were at the high school football stadium in Valdosta, Georgia. That's where this happened. And the W.A. Criswell, who was the pastor at First Baptist Dallas at the time, came and was preaching a crusade. And he brought this football coach named Tom Landry. And he presented, you know, Tom Landry gave his testimony. W.A. Criswell preached. And in that night, I accepted Christ and became a Cowboys fan. <laughs> one of those two things has been a constant blessing to me, and the other one, not so much. <laughs> Anyhow, 
But here's the deal is he didn't say anything in that crusade that I did not already know. But for some reason, when he said it that night, I knew it was for me. It's 1 Corinthians 2, 3-14. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. It wasn't because he was more persuasive or that he finally convinced me. I already knew those things. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. You see, the gospel is foolishness to those who don't believe. But there comes a moment for those who are saved where the Holy Spirit opens your ears. And He opens your heart. And all of a sudden, you realize, and it's personal, that those things aren't just things that we go, yeah, yeah, that's cool, I believe it, that's true. But that it's for you. John 6, Jesus said, For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. See, on that day, the Spirit was drawing me. And I, I want you to understand, it, it wasn't that, okay, all of a sudden I was like, ah, I don't have a will anymore. I'm just, you know, I knew what I was doing, and I made a choice. God helped me to understand that I had a choice and what the choice was. And I recognized and realized that it was my sin that put Jesus on the cross. And I wanted to be saved that night. And so when he came to the end and he said, pray this prayer, I prayed it. And I don't know, I might have prayed it before in my mind or in my heart. I believed it. And so there are people who say, oh yeah, I've always, I've always known God. Yeah, there's a journey. But there's a moment when you're saved, when salvation comes. It doesn't happen, yeah, yeah, you know, I just always knew and I've kind of always been a Christian. Nobody's always been a Christian. You may have always been in a home that followed and served the Lord. You may have always wanted to do that. But here's the deal. There's a moment when you become a believer, a Christian, when you're saved. You know, if you ask me about my, you know, my wife or our experience together, and I'll say, yeah, you know, we, we met, and then, you know, I, we kind of were in separate cities, and so that didn't go very far, and then, you know, God moved me up there, and, and at the time, you know, we weren't together, and, and you know, we just kind of over time realized that we were supposed to be together, and I don't know, we just kind of became married somewhere through there. I don't know. That don't work, and that ain't how it happened. It was on October the 19th. It was in the afternoon. It was at a church in Oklahoma. And I wore a funny-looking suit. And she wore this beautiful gown. And we stood in front of people. And the pastor asked us, do you take this woman? 
Do you take this man? We said, yes, I do. And then at the end of it, he said, by the powers vested in me, I, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Boom. We were married. And let me tell you something. You may have known about God, but you got to have that moment. Now, you may not, some of you may be years and years ago, and I understand that when I was a teenager. I don't remember if I was 13 or 40. I, I, I'm not asking you, I'm not saying, well, you got to have all these details. I was wearing this kind of shirt, and I bought a camp shirt right after I got saved with a happy face, whatever. I'm not saying that it has to be like that, but I'm saying you got to have a story. There's a moment when you come to know Christ. Now, if you were really young, maybe you need to ask your parents and they can help you remember some of those details. You know, I didn't remember, you know, like the name of the preacher for several years. I had to ask my parents. I remember Tom Landry because I was a Cowboys fan, y'all know, from that point on. But let me tell you something. I remember knowing that that was for me. And I, I, there was nobody else around me when I prayed. I mean, I'm sure I was sitting by people, but it was like I was the only one there when I prayed that prayer. And I trusted Jesus as my Savior and Lord. See, it doesn't happen. The journey can take place over a long period of time. But that moment of commitment, that moment where real faith begins and a relationship with Jesus begins, it happens in a moment. And so I want to ask you, do you have that moment? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for God saved you by his grace when you believed. And see, here's the thing. You can, just like the demons, just like people, you can believe without believing. You understand what I'm saying? Because when you believe, it changes things. And it changes you. And see, one of the things that it changes is, and a question, and here's one of the big parts about it, is that this should be your story. Hey, this was my life. This is what I was like. This is what things were going on. And hey, I was seven, so it's not like, you know, I was knocking off convenience stores on the weekend. I mean, I... I was seven years old. But then I met Jesus. And now I have a, a, a lot, I have decades of being able to say, and this is what my life's been like. This is how Jesus changed my life. This is how my life's been different. And there's up and downs in that story. There's bumps in that road for all of us. There are moments where I probably didn't look like a child of God. But I'm telling you, my life's different from that moment. It's different. It changed me. And that's what the essence of real faith is. It changes us. And so, if you don't have that moment, or maybe, you know, maybe even had an emotional experience or something or whatever, but it didn't change your life. Here's the thing. 
How could the God of the universe that spoke light into existence, that spoke the stars into existence, that created you, that created you to know him, how could he come into your life and there be nothing? No change, no nothing. 1 John 5, 12 says, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. Now, there's a couple things I want to tell you up front. Everybody has moments of doubt. There's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us over and over again to examine ourselves. David even prayed, Lord, examine me and see if there's something in me that I don't see that doesn't please you. So we're not perfect at that, but the more we look into the Word of God, over and over again, it's, called, it's, a, it's a mirror. And when we look into it, it's, it tells us and shows us who we really are. And so when you look into the mirror of God's Word and what we've been looking at today, do you see a faith that saves? I'm not asking you to look at your neighbor. I'm not asking you to look at your, you, you know, people. Are, I, I'm asking you to look at yourself. And here's something I don't want to do. As a pastor, I don't want to make people that are having a moment of doubt or whatever, I don't want to make you doubt your faith. That's that's like pretty high on the list of things that I don't want to do as a pastor. I don't want people going, man, I don't, I don't know. You know I, don't, I don't want people coming. Hey, I really believe God wants us to know that we know Jesus. But at the top of the list, I mean, that one's pretty high. I don't want to make people doubt their faith. But at the very top of the list is something else. And that's this. I don't want to make anybody that's not saved think they are. Because I want you to know. Do you have that moment? Do you have a testimony? This was my life before Jesus. And then I realized I was a sinner. And I turned away from that and I asked God for forgiveness of my sins. And I believed that Jesus came not just to die for the world, but die for me. That he died on the cross for my sins and that he rose on the third day according to Scripture. That I had that moment. And you know what? I can tell you what my life was like before I met my wife and what it's been like after. And yeah, there's some bumps in the road there too but I can tell you how it changed my life. And we ought to be able to do the same thing in our testimony with Christ. And if you, there's some, a couple things. If there's no change in your life, there's no Jesus. That doesn't look the same for everybody. When I started out, in ministry, I was a youth pastor in Austin, and our church was right. You know how neighborhoods kind of change through time? 
and our church was right between two areas of town, one of which was still kind of family-oriented, middle class, you know, golden retriever in the backyard, 2.3 kids, the whole deal. And the other, other side was a neighborhood that was in deep decline. And so I would take, you know, this kid home from an event or church or whatever, and, you know, they'd take him to a nice house. Mom would come out on the porch. But there was one kid that I would take home. Often he didn't, couldn't drive and couldn't get a ride, and I'd go pick him up to bring him to church. And to get to his house, I'd have to – at first I was like, why are there people standing alone on the street corners? It was weird. Come to find out they're crack dealers and drug dealers and other sorts of professions. Just use your imagination, whatever. And I would go pick him up at his apartment, and I never saw his dad or his mom wave from the door. It was always just him. And over time, he, he told me about his life. That his mom, he didn't, he didn't know where she was. She'd been gone for years. She was a drug addict, had no clue where she was. His dad had gotten this apartment when he was about 12, 13 years old and left him there and came by once or twice a month and bought gro brought groceries by, food to eat. But this kid was basically raising himself. And so here's the thing. He made a profession of faith, came to know Christ. The change in him looked a lot different than it did from that kid who'd grown up with mom and dad and been in church their whole lives. With him, I was constantly having to kind of keep an eye on him. I loved him. He was, and I loved what God did in his life. But you know what? If, if you'd have put the two of them by, standing right by each other, you'd probably go, that kid's saved. This one here, I don't know. I had to have conversations with him. I remember one, it was like, dude, why would you take a spatula from Pizza Hut after we'd been there for pizza and left? I made him go back and put it back. He just, he would constantly do stuff like that. And you'd be like, man, is this guy, is he saved? Yeah, he was saved. And I could see a big change in his life, but it didn't look the same, and it's not going to look the same for all of us. And I'm not trying to judge whether you're, I'm not saying, well, did you have enough? I'm just asking, was there a change? Is there a difference from before you knew Jesus and after you knew Jesus? That's what I'm asking. Because here's the thing, if there's no change, there's no Jesus. And while I don't want you to doubt, I want you to know. And you know, at different times I've come across people that, hey, I got some doubts about this, and we talked through it, and they'd be like, yeah, you know, okay, thank you for talking to me, I, I know I'm saved, and I, you know, I was just having a moment, and that's, that's cool. And I don't mind doing that with people, if you want to come talk to me, I'll be happy to talk to you. And then there's people that are just like, man, I've been struggling with this for years. I just don't know. I don't feel, you know, sometimes I don't know. And you know what I'd finally come to? Well, then let's just nail it down. If you know me at all, you've been here long, we don't, we're not about numbers. We keep track because every number is a person. But we're not, I, I, we rarely put out when people accept Christ on a Sunday. Every now and then, just encourage you to let people, let you know people do. But it's not because I'm trying to get numbers or whatever. It's because I want you to know that you know. 
that you know. And sometimes it's good for even those of us who know that we know that we know to look back and just double check. And if nothing else, just to remember about how much we have to be grateful for. But what I would say to you is, you know what, if, if you've been struggling with this for years and you just can't, then get it straight. I'm going to give you a moment to do that in, in just a minute. And here's the other part. You know, man, if that means i got to be baptized again. Yep, because baptism comes after salvation. Well, then people are going to know that you know, I'm, I'm not, guess what? You know what? You're in, a, you're in a room full of people that would absolutely celebrate you coming to know Christ. Absolutely. I knew a guy, I started with him on staff. He was a worship pastor. And he'd been a worship pastor at church for several years when he realized that he was not saved. That he didn't know Jesus. And he got saved. And he told the church, and you know what? They didn't go, oh, you've been fooling out. You know what they did? They, they rejoiced with him, and they encouraged him, and they loved on him because that's what churches do. And so that whole idea from the, the enemy, well, you can't let anybody know. Hey, that's the enemy trying to keep you from the greatest joy in your life. He wants to keep you right where you are. Don't let those lies stop you from getting – this is the most important thing in life to make sure you have right. This is it. And so you may know, hey, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. If you want to, if you'd like to have one, we'd love to give you that opportunity today. Or maybe you're like, yeah, I, just, I've, I don't have that story. I mean, I, you know, I think I love God. But if you want to know for certain, Today could be, you know what the Bible says? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Take care of it today. There's three simple things. You see, that's the deal is, none of this is about trying to make salvation more complicated. It's still simple. It doesn't mean it's easy. But Jesus is the one who did the work of salvation. This is all about saying, okay, I, I know certain things, but do I have a faith that saves? And I hope, my prayer is that I've been able to show you in some ways what a faith that saves looks like. And if you don't have that and you want to, you just got to admit that you're a sinner. And I, you know what? A lot of you already know these things, and that's fine. But maybe today you're hearing a little different because it's for you. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us is a sinner. Nobody can stand before God other than Jesus on their own merits. You can't. The good news is that God sent his son. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You believe that Jesus is the son of God. You believe that he died on the cross for your sins. And then do you believe that he rose on the third day according to Scripture? That's one of the things you got to do is believe in Jesus. And then the last thing is confess him as Lord. It says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, 
that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that means when you come to Christ, you don't just come talking about, yeah, I believe those things. Is you, you come saying, you're going to be boss of my life now. I'm turning it over to you. Now, you won't be perfect at it, but that you're giving him your life. If you've not done that, and you want to have that moment, and you want to know that you know that you know, I want to ask everybody in here to bow your heads, close your eyes, and I want to lead you in a brief prayer of salvation. You can pray this prayer by repeating the words after me. Or you can pray it in your own words if you want to. Just pray it in your heart. God will hear you. But if that's you and you want to know your sins are forgiven, that you're right with God, and that on that day when we come face to face with Jesus, he's going to call you by name and say, that one belongs to me. You pray this prayer with me today, right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, my life. Change me. Make me yours. I believe in Jesus. I believe he is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior. And I confess him as my Lord. Now without anybody else looking around, I'm gonna ask you to take one one more step. You don't have to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything in front of anybody else. But here's what I want you to do. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want you to look up at me right now and keep looking until I see you. Look up right now. Okay? All right? Okay? See you. Gotcha. Okay? All right. Now here's what I want you to do. I want to encourage you to tell someone. In a few moments, we're going to dismiss some prayer. There'll be a pastor at the front. If you'd like to come tell him, that'd be great. Tell who you came with. But we'd also encourage you, you can just text the word SAVED to that number on the screen. And we'll get back with you and set up a time to talk either in person or over the phone. We'd love to answer any questions you have and talk to you about the next steps of following Jesus. We're not going to ask you for anything. We're not going to put you on a mailing list. It doesn't mean you're joining our church. We can talk about that if you want to, but we just want to help you because we care about helping people in their relationship and their walk with Christ. And so you, when you talk to him after the service, you, you can talk to somebody today. Or we can set up a time, whatever works best for you. But we'd love to talk to you a few moments, answer any questions, and talk to you about the next steps.
So I want to pray for you right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for allowing us to have this time, Father, where we can question and, and examine ourselves. And Father, I thank you for those that made a decision today to trust you as their Savior and Lord. I pray, God, that you would fill their hearts with peace and joy and confirmation, God, that they belong to you. And Lord, we know that our salvation is dependent upon what you have done. And we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for your grace and your goodness over them and thank you for allowing us to be a part of their journey to you. Lord, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.